feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. He's outstanding, best we've played here for a long time I think. We've scored an outstanding goal from an outstanding player on the night in Rodgick. It's not easy coming here and winning by that amount of uh, goals. If we didn't win the Liga, I would go and watch Celtic pick the trophy up because it made me even more determined. Rangers are going to eventually win the league before the, the last Celtic Rangers game of the season. The question we need to be asked of Celtic, are you guys going to do a guard of honour? The Goal Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, Simon Donnelly and Richard Foster. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808-1717-700. 18 points now, the difference at the top of the Premiership after Celtic won 4-0 in Paisley last night. More like us, said Neil Lennon. But he's scratching his head like lots of you Celtic fans will be about where that quality of performance has been. Simon Donnelly, where's it been and is it pretty frustrating in a way to be playing that well at this stage of the season with that gap at the top of the table yeah it feels as if the horse has bolted but they've showed a decent bit of form the last week uh, three good results two difficult places Rugby Park and St Mern to go and win quite convincingly uh, but as you say Rob we're scratching our heads it's 18 points it's the closest the gap has been for numerous weeks but we're scratching our heads how how big it is and of course there's another game in hand uh, to come what do you reckon about Celtic uh, having found some form late on in the season a big win for Motherwell last night uh, Graham Alexander's team have won three of the last four now eight points off the bottom of the league table but not what new Kilmarnock manager Tommy Wright wanted in his first game in charge Richard Foster no, um, you always, I suppose, want to start a new managerial job with a victory, um, I think, but I believe he was happy enough with the performance. You know, he hasn't had a lot of time to work with the guys there. Um, yeah, you were telling me off-air that they put in like 45 crosses, which is, a, you know, the way Tommy likes to play. He doesn't want his players to ever refuse a, an attempt to, to cross a ball into the box. And, and hopefully if they can uh, get the quality of the crossing up and the, the movement of the strikers, then that, that'll bring them chances and... Like I say, he'll bring a lot of structure to to Kilmarnock and um, defensive know-how, um, and if they can marry that with with kind of more attack and flair, you know they've got still got Pinnock, Burke, who who can be the supplier of, of goals. Then um, you know he'll hope that they can pick up their form and, and get out the the trouble that they're in at the moment. It's Richard Foster, it's Simon Donnelly, it's Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show for a Thursday with OPC Energy Limited. And uh, of course, you can get yourself involved in the course of the next couple of hours. 0808 17 17 700, that's the phone number, you know it well. You can text GO and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. In the second hour, we will be talking with the Hamilton manager, Brian Rice, uh, due to play last night. That game was snowed off, of course. And uh, Simon Donnelly, you were snowed off on uh, on Tuesday. What happened to that gritter in the garage that you have? Disaster struck, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> snowed in. Yeah, obviously it was pretty bad up my way. Uh, 
And I was just about to say, you had problems last night as well with my boiler. So I missed <laughs> two of the Celtic goals. We had somebody in fixing my boiler, thankfully, at nine o'clock last night. Otherwise, it could have been a, a very cold evening. Feel free to share all your domestic issues on <laughs> air. Uh, ne- never a problem. Um, of course, uh, since we last spoke, uh, Richard, uh, we've uh, found out that uh, there's going to be no speedy return for the, the lower leagues, if we can call them that, women's football as well. There's going to be a reassessment on the on the 1st of March. Uh, not, not that surprising, but pretty depressing. Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I was surprised. I think if you look at everything, you know, that, this along with other clubs agreed to test every week agreed to all the protocols that the the, the premiership teams and the championship teams follow um, the case numbers are going down the R numbers going down the um, positivity rates going down I don't understand why why we're still not allowed to go back I, I definitely don't understand why yeah the top league in the women's game is not allowed to go back um, I believe uh, the, the, you know the, the three top clubs in that league agreed to test the same as the, as the men but we're told no, you're still not going back. So I just, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, I think all the League One and Two clubs, along with all the women's clubs, are are very very frustrated at the moment because um, they've met the criteria or they've said that will they will meet the criteria of the Premiership teams and the Championship teams. But that wasn't good enough. So so what is it now that the the, SP, the SFA or the SPFL want us to do in order to get back playing and training? Obviously, you're a Partick Thistle player, um, a full-time club in, uh, in in League One, but there are part-time teams in the Championship who are playing. Yeah, I think if you look at, you know, I always try and, you know, if you have an opinion on something, you need to try and look at it from as wide an angle as possible to pick up any kind of different views. And any which way I look at this, I can't, I just can't get my head around it. I don't understand it. Like you say, we're a full-time team. There are part-time teams in the League Above who are able to, to test and, and play. Um, but we somehow are not allowed to. Um, I think if you look at it from the protocols, we'll we'll follow all. We we I think Thistle said from the very beginning, uh, before the the league even kicked off, that they were willing to to test every week and follow different protocols. But it's just I think the the fact that no one, none of the clubs. I mean, they came together and put up put together a proposal, uh, which wasn't good enough. And now they're trying to work on another proposal. But I don't know what else that the 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 authorities need all the clubs to do that will allow us to get back playing and what we want I guess is is clarity isn't it Simon it's uh, and good communication and, and constant communication really uh, at a tough time for everybody to, to know um, why there is no resumption for, for lower league football and, and there's no real light at the end of the tunnel at the moment either yeah it's frustrating and as Richard touches on there the clubs are doing the right thing you know and the short spell I had in it at Brecon City albeit we were part-time, uh, you were following protocol strictly because everybody wanted football to to go ahead. And obviously on the back of everything at the, the turn of the year, you know, the the authorities decide to, to, to stop from League One down. It's frustrating. You've got professional clubs there. You've touched on the professional side and the women's side. Everybody wants to get back playing football. And... They have followed everything strictly to the letter, so I don't I don't see why the goalposts have been moved as such. And now to put it back to March the first, I mean, where are they going to get the time to play these games? I just I don't see it. And we've we've heard Jim McInally come out and say obviously just scrap, scrap it, it yeah. scrap it. But I'm looking at the the boys, the players. They they want to play. It's their job. It's their livelihood. Uh, it's their release in a, a real 
frustrating time. Uh, so it's, it's confusing, but it'd be nice to see some sort of solution so that they could get back playing. Does that comment from Jim McAnally just stem from frustration as much as anything else, Richard? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it also stems from the fact that he just wants clarity. You know, if they say, right, the season's done, at least then we know. It's not it's not the decision that any of us want. Um, but at least, like you said before, that, that would be clear. Yes, the league is over. You prepare and move on for, for the next season. But I think one of the things, and it's probably more pertinent to someone like me, is you know, that nine months in the last lockdown, that was the longest I'd went in 20 years without training and playing. Um, and it really took my body a long time to readjust to training. So, and, and in Leagues 1 and 2, there's, there's quite a lot of older professionals. So you, you could almost be you could almost be ending their careers at this stage because they might have, they might feel, like I myself feel I've got more years left in the tank, but the longer it goes without doing anything, the body starts to shut down and yeah. thinks, right, okay, that's me done with this exercise. I'm going to, and yes, you can argue that I should be training, but running on the pavement, uh, it's not the same. Simon will tell you, it's not, no, the, it's same. not the same. It's you need The <laughs> only thing that replicates training and games are training and games. And when you're meeting up with one guy or you're, you're running on the pavement, so you're even on your spin bikes, it's not the same. And, you know, myself and all the other kind of older players, it will take us a long time to get back to the level we've just left because, um, you know, your your body starts to shut down. So they could you could effectively be in a position where you're you're kind of ending the careers of a lot of players in leagues one and two. Foster finish, surely not. I don't feel like I, I don't no. feel like I would be, but you know, it's it's one of those things that I need to consider. It's one of the things I considered um, in the last lockdown, just purely because, especially when I went back to training, how awful I felt you know I would get out the car and I says to my wife a few times if the neighbours seen me walking into the house they wouldn't think that I'm a professional athlete because <laughs> yeah, you know everything yeah. was sore um, and I think I wasn't the only one you know I think you know we've seen this season probably I don't know the stats but there seems to be a lot more muscle injuries um, within the premiership teams the championship teams even the younger players so they've obviously struggled as well with the lockdown and then you, you know you add, a, you add a few years onto them um, and it, it becomes ever more difficult a lot to think about, a lot of uh, considerations to be made. Last night in the Premiership, uh, Kilmarnock nil, Motherwell won. We'll talk a little bit more about that one. And of course, in Paisley, uh, a scoreline that few, I think, would have been expecting. St Mirren nil, Celtic 4. We'll talk about the game in a fair bit of detail and uh, you can call us with your thoughts on it as well as Celtic uh, bounced back to form. They've now won four of their last five games um, against uh, St Mary 4-0 last night of course it was uh, 4-0 against Kilmarnock away from home as well Celtic have won at home against Motherwell and Hamilton uh, the one uh, that they lost in that run was at home to uh, St Mirren but much more like Celtic in the words of uh, Neil Lennon himself and of course Albion Ayeti was part of the team last night having uh, won his appeal it was a bit of a panto that one wasn't it when uh, he won the penalty at Kilmarnock then he was cited for simulation then it was all turned around uh, but finally Ayeti was was happy with that decision and he played last night. Never had like that before, but um, it is how it is. I'm happy. I'm happy we took the right decision, and I'm happy I didn't get the ban for that. But what about the fact he was cited for simulation in the first place? Yeah, I was a bit surprised, but yeah, I didn't know about the process how it's how it is working here. But um, yeah, now I know. But I'm even more happy that um, yeah. 
I could play and I didn't get the, the game on. Former Celtic striker Simon Donnelly, what did you make of it all, Simon? It's it's a hard one. How, how, do, how do you... See, when it's that close, I watched the game live and I'm thinking it's a penalty kick. The referee obviously thinks the same. And then people look at it afterwards, slow it down and to be able to say 100% there was no contact it's almost impossible for me I think there was contact definitely yeah. I think there was definitely yeah. contact not, not the sort of contact that provoked how, how, a reaction how, 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 do you, how do you then get to the point where it's enough to put him put him down well that's the that's, thing I think if, if if he falls in a natural manner you go well the Goalkeeper's clearly knocked him over. Yeah. But because he then throws himself to the ground, he, he, it's very, very difficult to judge how much the contact was. To me, it looked because it was so theatrical. It looked like he dived. It yeah. looked like he, he waited for. The, he actually probably thought he was going to get hit harder than he did, and then he kind of he was already halfway down when the goalie touches him. Yeah. Um, and I I thought it was a dive, um, but. You know he he's been cleared of it, and it's it's quite funny that he says he doesn't understand the system. None of us understand no, the system. He's not don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about it. We've been wondering for it's years. Just, it's just such a hard one to to prove. You know, either way, I feel I, I don't. Uh, I think a lot of time gets wasted over these these. The referee made a decision on the night. You look to I look to the one with Salah at the weekend for Liverpool's goal, and people are saying he dived. So he gets pulled back. And sometimes I feel that, you know, and that one that occasion, not so much the Ayeti occasion, but sometimes if people stay on their feet there, they've still been impeded and the referee's reluctant to give it. Maybe I'm looking at it as a as as a striker. But the 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 Salah one for me, people say, Oh well he's dived again, but he's been impeded as he tries to get in goal. Ayeti, for me, it's almost impossible to prove either way. And do you think that's fair enough if there's been contact? That he flings well, himself and, and enhances it, exaggerates it, just to, to catch the referee's eye and make sure he gets the penalty. See, seeing coming through in my day, you weren't told to go and. But see, if something was coming there and you were fouled and you went down and you give the referee. People nowadays say it's cheating. But again, I've been to the other side of it where you try to keep on your, your feet, you lose the advantage, the defender comes and clears it because you've been slowed down. And the referee thinks, oh, well, he's not went down there. I'm not giving the free kick or the penalty. Did you expect <laughs> the way things have gone uh, recently? The fact that Ayetis was turned around, did you then expect the Kemar Roof decision to be reassessed, Richard, as well? Yeah. Um, I thought at the time I seen the tackle um, and I know he's, he's caught Murray Davidson with a bad one, but I don't think there was any intent in it. I think it was just he's trying to protect the ball. He stepped over the ball. Murray's went into the tackle um, and caught a sore one. But to me, what issues is it that we're trying to retrospectively deal with? You know, the referee's deemed that a yellow card. In my opinion, he was wrong. It should have been a red card. I think everyone agrees with that. But there was no intent. There was no... It wasn't violent. You know, he didn't try and go and hurt the player. So I think you scratch that one up to... Right, the referee's got it wrong and I would imagine in hindsight having looked at it he would say yeah that's a red but you know there are all mitigating factors as Simon spoke about that we see it really slowed down and we see stills of it he sees it once at real time so referees will make mistakes as of course all players all do jeez I made a career of them <laughs> but um, I don't think that that should have stood as you know they should have been given the two match ban because you know the Morelos one is different Morelos 
tries to stand on the guy or, or does actually stamp on the guy so that's different you know yeah. if players are, are trying to hurt each other and, and they're violent and th- their conduct goes above and beyond what's acceptable on a football pitch then you, you need to look back at them and, and they need to get bans but I, I just think Roof is it's unlucky it's mistimed but yet they've went back and they've now banned him for two matches and it's like what's going to happen now is every single tackle yeah, that doesn't win reviewed. the ball is it going to be reviewed yeah. and yeah. then like you say how much time is that going to take yeah. and it just it becomes where does where do we now draw the line when tackling the next stage will probably be to out like to ban tackling altogether because it's like well I don't know if you mean it or you don't mean it and it's just I don't see where the game goes from now if you're if you're retrospectively banning the roof and what about the the referees? We're we're now refereeing games. We're re-refereeing games, and we're we're undermining the 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 referees who who are seeing their decisions being. In the case of Ayeti, we're we're seeing the the referee in that instance being questioned, being told he was wrong by the by the citation of yeah. of the player, and then oh by the way you were right, <laughs> it, it wasn't it is, a dive, and, and, and it adds pressure. Maybe I mean it's a tough job refereeing as well adds pressure there as well with them thinking have, have I seen that one right um, is it going to get reviewed is it going to get dug up two days from now uh, I mean we go back to last night's game with, with, the, with the kid Welsh getting a bad one late on but th- that was for me that's just a late tackle it's it's unlucky for the kid because he's rolled his ankle on Obika's impact but are we going to go and review every kind of mistimed tackle now as, as Richard says it some of these ones that for me last night was was a striker closing down the defence frustrated and just purely and simply late you know and unfortunately the boy Welsh has taken a sore one with it and had to be stretched off but I wouldn't say it was malicious I wouldn't say he was going in to try and hurt the kid I think it was just mistimed that's enough of uh, disciplinary for now, although uh, we may well come back to it and it may be something uh, you want to talk about as well. But what about that Celtic performance last night? 4-0 against St Mirren in Paisley. Neil Lennon. Great win. He's probably the best player here for a long time. I thought we could have won the game by more. Wasn't particularly pleased with our first half. I thought we gave the ball away a lot under no pressure. Had a few words with him at half-time and second half. I thought we were magnificent. Magnificent. Everything about the team was was brilliant. Just really enjoyed watching them play. Magnificent, but what does it mean, Simon? What does it mean to Celtic? What does it mean to the Celtic fans? Uh, I don't know if it means too much. I think Celtic fans always want to to win. Uh, but I think the fact that it's 18 points, you know, as I said at the top of the show, unless a miracle, the horse is bolted, but... I also said yesterday on a podcast Celtic as a as a professional you can only go out and win the next game and they've done that the last three and they've done it with a bit of style last night you know three late goals down at Rugby Park a 4-0 but it's too little too late in my opinion What do you think? All too little too late for Celtic what's happening at Celtic what is the future what is the plan and if you're a Rangers fan uh, is your team stuttering towards the finish line or when is the job going to be done? Was that just a little bump in the road at Hamilton on Sunday and Rangers will continue on cruise control towards the title? 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go!
So last night Kilmarnock nil Motherwell won It was a big win Wasn't it from Graham Alexander And his team Alan Campbell Got the only goal Of the game Killy dominated uh, A lot of the possession A lot of the play A lot of the territory But just didn't do enough With it in the end of the day And it's three wins In the last four games From Motherwell And that makes a huge difference To them They're eight points Off the bottom Of the Premiership In Paisley It finished St Mirren nil Celtic Four with that uh, Burst of goals Near the end For Celtic giving them another big win and narrowing the gap at the top if narrowing be the right word 18 points of a difference Celtic of course still with a game in hand starting to look towards the weekend now of course uh, being Thursday I'm pretty sure it's Thursday uh, Queen of the South against Hearts tomorrow night in Dumfries in the Championship the reason I mention that one is I'm going there so hopefully I can get to uh, Dumfries and on Saturday Aberdeen against St Mirren Dundee United living Livy looking to bounce back their game was off last night so they're looking to respond to their first defeat in 15 games uh, Motherwell against Hamilton the 155th Lanarkshire Derby at Fir Park that should be a good one Saturday Rangers at home to Kilmarnock Tommy Wright's second game in charge it's Ross County against Hibs and the Sunday match 12 kickoff uh, for St Johnston against Celtic can Celtic keep uh, that impressive run of late going and Richard Foster just going back to that Rangers uh, Kilmarnock game uh, what about what happened at Hamilton <laughs> last Sunday are Rangers stuttering towards the, the finishing line or was that just a little bump in the road I think it was just a little bump in the road you know, uh, you know we'll probably find out a little bit more um, on Saturday but instantly when I when I heard uh, their manager's comments after the game and Alan McGregor's comments after the game I thought who are Rangers playing next because they could be on the end of five or six just purely because he'll want a reaction I think um, you know and I think a lot of the players will look to someone like Alan McGregor who knows what it takes to win leagues and win trophies loved uh, his interview afterwards yeah eh? brilliant because he's so honest but you know he knows what it takes and he knows that the league is not done so you don't want to give Celtic any glimmer of hope you know they've, they've, they've taken two points off the the total that was the, the gap before um, but you don't want to give them too much more because then you know there's a lot of Rangers players in that squad that, that haven't won the league yet that haven't won trophies so like I say you'll be looking to your players like Stephen Davis like Alan McGregor and, and they know what it takes so you can see his frustration with the, just I think the level of performance you know teams can lose games and you can be unlucky and decisions can go against you but even Steven Gerrard after the game said that he should be happy because they got a point out of a game they deserve nothing and I think on the base of the game Hamilton were very good and Rangers just never turned up and I think you know I'm pretty sure tomorrow at home eh, on Saturday at home they'll, they'll rectify that against Kilmarnock I think Steven Gerrard Simon realised the stark reality of a Rangers midfield without Ryan Jack or Stephen Davis I don't think that will be happening again but you just wonder whether there's been a little seeds of doubt have been sown any damage done by that performance which which could uh, run on into the next game I don't think so to be honest Rob by all account, I didn't see the game by all accounts Hamilton did play well on the day I did see the, the post-match interview with, with Griggs and he, I think he didn't fancy doing it, did he? He didn't no, want to but, be there. No, but you can imagine him giving it to the dressing room after that and, yeah. and, and saying it, telling a few home truths. And I think if that's reflective of the manager as well, I think the guys, as Richard says, who have not been over the course and, and won a championship, they'll be they'll be put in their place. You know, if if anybody thinks that they're going to drift from here on in, 
I think levels will be lifted again and, and that's what you need as, as Richard says that's what you need the experienced guys that have been over the course uh, before to, to re-emphasise that to the guys that haven't that was very much a toned down and polite version of what would have happened inside the, the dressing room, Richard, I imagine. I think so, yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with Alan before and he kind of, he says it how it is. He doesn't he doesn't tend to hold anything back, which is, you know, which I really like in, in, in football players. I think, you know, you know, there's no room in a dressing room, there's no place for hiding behind your comments and whispering to your mate and, and you know, not actually telling each other what he's feeling. I think he would, like, like Simon said, he, there's no doubt that he'd have went in that dressing room and pretty much said what he said you know the league's not done um, that level of performance won't get it le- the league done because let's be honest even with all respect to Hamilton they're, they're bottom of the league so if you, you know if you're struggling to, to put in a performance that's good enough to beat the team at the bottom of the league you know you don't want to be losing too many more games because then like I said then the seeds of doubt do start to sow whereas at the moment um, they've got a, a chance on Saturday just to make sure that everybody sees that that was just a blip um, they got a point from a game which they never deserved and you know they can put it all right on Saturday, and then you know then that settles any talk of of kind of uh, doubts or trying to coast for the rest of the season. But it's it's important the, that Stephen Gerrard gets a response from his team on Saturday. You're listening to Richard Foster, Simon Donnelly, and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show for a Thursday with OPC Energy Limited and Reese as well. Hi, Reese. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, thank you. How's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. You hips fan, yeah. Yeah, Hibs fan, that's right. So what are you thinking at the moment? It's been a good little run, hasn't it? Aberdeen are toiling a bit and suddenly you've got a five-point gap there in third. Yeah, good run at the moment. Um, hopefully we can keep it up, but we just need to wait and see to the end of the season. Still some tough fixtures to go. So One game at a time, Reese. What's that, sorry? No, I, you were just sounding like the, the managerial one game at a time mantra. <laughs> No, I think I think they need to be sensible. Um, realistically, I think that's that's good enough for Hibs, but we'll, we'll just wait and see. What's on your mind tonight? What would you like to say? Uh, just a quick question for the guys um, regarding week one and week two. If if week one and week two don't get finished, what do they think will happen in the championship with the team at the bottom? Um, do you think there'll be a relegation, or do you think it'll just be sort of? I don't really know myself, so I'm just I'm just curious to know. Um, Harris, um, I think that if it depends what they do, I think if they if they just null and void leagues one and two and scrap the league, I don't think there'll be any relegation. Um, if we do come back and they maybe adjust it to an 18 game season for us, then I think that you know the relegation and promotion will go ahead as as previously planned. But I, but at the moment, I think that if if leagues one and two are scrapped, then I just think the bottom team in, in the championship will will have one to watch and they'll get to stay in the championship for next season. Simon? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same thinking, to be honest. I think if, if there's no more football to be played, I think it will be uh, normal service. I don't think I see anybody going down. Uh, but as Richard says, if, 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 if what we're all hoping, you know, football comes back and they can get to a stage where even if they've played a percentage of the, of the league that, you know, the, the positions stand, then relegation has to come into it. The other thing is that we spoke about and they spoke about last lockdown about changing the league you know the numbers in the league if they're going to do a shuffle again probably not so I think it will stay the same unless we, we, we play more football How do you think it's been handled Reese? Uh, personally for the weeks one and two I think it's a, a bit of a disgrace um, I think a lot of week one and week two clubs have 
um, protocols in place similar to those of the Premiership and um, Championship. Yeah, I seen a few days ago. I can't remember what club it was, but they said they'd put forward a plan. There'd be player testing, and obviously it's been disregarded. So I think it's a bit unfair. But as we said, there's bigger things going on at the moment. But I would have liked to see the League One and League Two get back back playing again. Does the Scottish Cup get played, Richard, do you think? I mean, there must be a big question mark over it at the moment, but then it's got a sponsor, hasn't it, William Hill? Uh, so there's sponsor money and there's TV money from, from Premier and the BBC. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen, you know, we've seen all the the problems that the money can bring before the season kicked off in regards to finishing seasons and, and all that kind of stuff. So with that respect, you're looking at it and going, well, if football comes back, then it, then it will be played. I would imagine they'll try and squeeze the games in. Um, I wouldn't like to be, you know try to do Rangers fixtures for the next couple of months if the, if the Scottish Cup does come back as well but I think if if, if Leagues 1 and 2 come back the Scottish Cup probably will be back for, for the reasons you've said I think it's the SFA's trophy it's it's one they want to get played there's a sponsor so, so they'll have obligations in that regard um, so I think they'll have to try and fit the fixtures in somehow Could it hang over to next season? Could it could it be part this season part next season? Uh, could, because obviously that happened in the latter stages yeah, this time around. Yeah, we had to do it this year. Obviously, unforeseen circumstances. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they were going to do the Scottish Cup. I would, I'd like to think it would all be done and dusted before the, the summer. I think it's finding the time, and it? it's finding the time. I suppose players like to play. They start squeezing three games in a week more. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it'd be difficult for the, the teams that aren't full time as well. I just don't know. I don't know where the answer is. If, if football comes back, you obviously want to see the Scottish Cup, the romance of the Cup. Missing out a year would would be devastating for Scottish football. But I just I don't see where the time. I don't see where we can squeeze it in. If you if if you let it go, I mean you've got the Euros hopefully in the summer, and then we're into next season. The Scottish Cup in December doesn't seem the right thing to do, Rob. Does it really? No, five days before Christmas. Year, five days before <laughs> it was Christmas. Weird this year. It was. It's, it certainly was. Uh, the one job you don't want in Scottish football is to be head of fixtures at the SPFL or the or the SFA. <laughs> that's a that's a nightmare. Yeah, I think um, yeah we've seen that this season. The game's been called off, and obviously teams that are kind of fighting on, on all different fronts. If you're if you go to the latter stages in cups. Um, the fixtures build up, you know, this time of year we've got snow outside and games are getting called off. It's just, it, you know, I don't know how they do it, um, to be honest. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a job that I was want certainly. Reese um, Hibbs, I was at the the game at the weekend uh, where Hibbs beat Aberdeen two 0 maybe going on three or four. To be honest, uh, the chances mm-hmm. they had and and how much better they were um, the, than Aberdeen. It was a pretty Presser, the, the bench grabbed my eye just because of the, the quality that was there, the depth that was there for, for Jack Ross. It, he, he's dealt well in the market, hasn't he? It's, it's looking, the Hibs squad, your team look looking really impressive. Yeah, I was on about a week ago and actually questioning the guys that were on saying, should they have got another striker in? Um, obviously, with letting the boy go and go out to race rovers, but He's seemed to have worked his magic, boil through the middle. He's got Karen in, who's doing really well on the right side. Um, Irvin, he looks brilliant, and beside Gorgic in the middle of the park. So I'm quite impressed. Um, hopefully we can build build in the momentum and just keep going. But the bench as well, obviously, Nisbet there, Porteous. Um, so it's looking like good times ahead for Hibs. It does look pretty impressive doesn't it for Hibs and uh, the fact that they are doing what they're doing at the moment Richard with the likes of uh, of Porteous and, and Nisbet on the bench 
Yeah, especially in this, but I think you know, I think um Porteous was, was struggling a little bit. Um and I think Darren McGregor's came in and you know, that, that more experience, um kind of more controlled defensively. And I think that's helped Tibbs a lot. I think Goggage kinda of coming back has helped Tibbs a lot as well. But when you've got a you know, a player that you said no to three million pounds for and you're sat sat him on the bench, um then that kinda of shows you the depth in their squad. Now I don't think I think uh, Martin Boyle can play as a as a striker if he's allowed to allowed a bit of freedom. He's allowed to run in, into channels and he's allowed to move around. I think if you just play him straight up beside uh, Dodge, I don't think he's he's it's, you know it's not his best attribute taking the ball with his back to goal. Um, I think he likes to run at players, but you know he is quick and he can get in behind it and he's a good finisher. So I can see it both ways, but I I, I still like to see Martin Boyle probably play in the spaces between midfield and the striker as opposed to up as a number. You know, as a number nine or ten with with Doidge. Reese, thanks for your call. Cheers, guys. All the best. That was Reese, uh, a Hibs fan, uh, with big concerns about uh, football below Championship level in Scotland, and he is not uh, the only one in terms of what is going on or not going on at the moment. Last night, of course, St Mirren nil, Celtic four. It was uh, one nil for a long time, but uh, three quick fire finishes near the end for Neil Lennon's team. You know, we'd missed some good chances before that, you know, before the, the penalty. I thought we deserved to be well ahead by then, but, um, you know, once we got the second goal, you know, we really turned it on and you could see the confidence oozing out of the team and they were superb. So they deserve a lot of credit tonight for the way they played. So the point's been proven then, all right. Yeah, it was, a, it was top football, wasn't it? And uh, maybe Tom Rogic t- taking the top billing, Simon? Yeah, he looked back to the Tom Rogic that we all know. Uh, took his goal really well. Some nice touches in the second half. Shintman Park looks a, a, a little bit bare at this time of year, but you know his touch was first class. Uh, and as Neil Lennon touched on there, some good goals, some good finishes towards the end. And maybe a wee bit more comfortable result than might have not been. So... Celtic another four goals on on their travels. Again, yeah, we're at this kind of feeling now that you know it's it's too too little too late. But they can only go and win the games. And Neil, Len- and Neil Lennon making the point that it's almost like a year ago. It's all it's almost like the way Celtic were playing at that point. But of course, playing with purpose at yeah. that point, playing towards the title. Yeah, but I think you know you look at it both ways. And I think Simon spoke about it earlier that you can't. Like kind of lambast players and, and managers the whole season for their level of performance and then when it improves just say oh well it's too late you know they went through a blip now it was quite a sustained blip and it's you know pretty much costing the title but they're still professional players and, and they still need to go out there and try and try and regain their form try and get themselves back to what kind of we all know they can play to you know we, like you spoke about Rogic there Um I call him, as soon as I, as soon as he is he is he took <clears> the ball from the from Kenny, you know I was like brilliant. It's, he's the best in Scotland at taking the ball on his back foot, and he, he almost beats the defender in one motion without even taking. You know he just takes a touch, um, and that's what you know I've played against him. When he does that, and even though you're really tight to him, you think you've got him. He just seems to get away from you, but he kind of he kind of got away from that almost, and and Celtic weren't playing as fluidly. And if you have someone like Tom Rogic in your team. He's a guy that needs the players around him. He needs them to be moving. He needs them to be playing the ball into areas where he likes to get the ball. And and if he's not getting the service, then you know he doesn't become ineffective. But he makes it tougher for him to, to score the goals like he did last night. I think last night against a decent enough St Mirren team who were I know they lost the the guy was it McGrath went off injured yeah and that seemed on. to kind of lose you know 
um, they lost themselves in midfield a little bit and allowed Celtic to gain control of the game but they've been on a good run and they're a decent side I've watched them a couple of times and knock the ball about well keep the ball well normally um, and it was a tough fixture for Celtic so like Simon says yes it might be too late in terms of the league but all these guys can go and do is go and win games and, and you know a 4-0 away at St Mirren is a good result yeah, some great goals, weren't there? Tom Rogett, Johnson Edward getting his 18th goal of the season. Ryan Christie, a goal scorer, and almost inevitably uh, David Turnbull as well. Celtic moving to within 18 points of Rangers at the top with a game in hand. This is Glasgow's own Go Radio. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Thanks Chris for the travel Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited Richard Foster and Simon Donnelly as well and you on 0808 17 uh, 17 700 We're looking back on what happened last night in the Premiership Kilmarnock Neil Motherwell won Alan Campbell with the only goal of the game they're now 8 points off the bottom Graham Alexander's team and I think he can probably claim an assist last night for uh, his part in the only goal of the game it was quick thinking on his part and his team as well and it was maybe a smash and grab because Kilmarnock had plenty of that game uh, but unfortunately nothing to show for it at the end Richard Foster and of course it's Ibrox at the weekend for uh, Tommy Wright and his team and then Pitodri after that Yeah it's a, it's not an easy run um, not at all but you know these are I suppose in the next two games you'll probably see you know you'll be able to gauge a lot about his players, you know their mentality, um, how well they'll they'll listen to the information he gives because you know obviously I've worked with them a lot and, and I know that he's, his teams are very well organised um, and he expects his players to organise themselves on the pitch as well if things are not you know if they don't pan out exactly how he's, how he sets you up. Um, so yeah, you know two very very difficult venues to go to obviously, but it'll probably tell him a lot about his team and a lot about his squad and, and the qualities they've got not the you know not the football qualities almost almost the mental qualities the toughness they've got and, and, and can they dig in and you know we we speak about Hamilton every year being down in the bottom of the league and they they know how what it takes to get out of that um, relegation trouble Kamarnik have obviously been in the last few seasons have been up at the other end of the table not really had to worry about it but this season it'll be a real test for them and, and like I say Tommy will probably get a a good look at his players and, and see what they've got in the locker you got to hold your nerve though, haven't you? When you Because when you look at that league table, it tells you that there are only 10 games to go for uh, Kilmarnock. Nine after Ibrox, which is going to be uh, tough at the weekend. There's not much time, is there, to get the training sessions in, to to get the one-to-one sessions in, to do the motivational work required, Simon, to make Kilmarnock believe that they can survive here? No, but he's, he's a good appointment, I think. He's an experienced campaigner. He's did such a good job at St Johnston. Uh, he'll go in there and use all his experience I think first and foremost to keep Kilmarnock in the division I think last night you're maybe looking for a reaction you know a first kind of reaction how many times do you see a manager getting in and a team winning a game getting three points I think by all accounts I didn't see the game but you were down there Rob they did get a positive reaction Yeah. and Murrow kind of stole it so he'll be looking to take that into the next games the next two aren't easy but an experienced guy there and as Richard says He'll probably learn more about his team at Ibrox than he did last night on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Gary Dicker um, played central defence at the weekend, but but he was reunited with Alan Power in the midfield. They looked much more familiar because of that. Chris Burke came back into the starting lineup. Uh, it was it was Burke, Kilty and McKenzie behind Kabamba. 
but they just need a, a focal point. They need something pivotal to what they're doing in an attack, Richard, uh, because there was plenty of supply last night, just no finish. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, like I said to you before, that's that's one thing that um, that Tommy will work on is getting balls into the box and putting defences under pressure. Um, I think, I don't know, is, is White Hollinger at the moment? Is he, I think he, I think he was on the bench. On the bench. You know, he, he kind of came into the team and he scored he scored a, a few goals in a little run. Yeah. Obviously, Tommy's only seen him for a couple of days, but he's went with Kabamba. Um, Kilt, he's kind of, I think he's just back from injury as well. So He was great. He was really good last yeah, night. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's had a really good season and I think they missed him when he wasn't there. And I think, I think it's just going to, they don't have a lot of time, but it's going to take, you know, it's, you're probably going to get through these next two games and then they'll look at the, the next uh, seven games and go, right, these are the games that we need to, we need to pick up points. We need to get something positive. But, you know, we went to Petodre on a few occasions with St. Johnson and managed to get get points. We went to Ibrox and managed to get points. He knows how to get points at these difficult places. Um, and like Simon said, they did not the result, but in terms of the performance level, they probably got a, a an improvement last night and he'll, he'll look to build on that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think going back to your point, I think just trying to get guys on the end of the crosses they put in the box because with Burke on one side I don't know who, was it Pinnock who played on the other side I've, I've seen him a few times and Rory, he's got, Rory McKenzie well, started McKenzie, on the other side all three have got great delivery um, and it's just about getting the strikers to make the right movements and, and get the ball in the net Talking of St Johnston let's, let's talk to Saints fan Ryan Hi Ryan Hi uh, how are you all doing you all good Yeah good Hi, thank you um, good, 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 good. What, what are you thinking about Tommy Wright at Kilmarnock I think it's a great appointment for Kilmarnock. I want to wish Tommy Wright very well in his new job. I think he'd done a, a magnificent job at St. Johnson. Um, and I wish him all the best. And what sort of job is Callum Davidson doing? Brilliant. He's got a good style of player football. It's too, he's, too, he's had a wee blip in the road, but uh, he see, everything seems to be coming together now. So long may it continue. Is he a chip off? Is he a chip off the block in terms of, uh, you know, he was obviously Tommy's assistant. Uh, is the style similar? Do you think that you're getting from Callum's team? Um, slightly. I think we're very dogged to break down. I think we've still got that. I think we've always had that through the years, um, but we seem to have a, a more better, I mean, a wee bit more attractive football, a wee bit more attacking style football. Just the goals aren't going at the minute, but we're winning games, and to me, that's as a Saints fan, that's the most important thing. How much are you looking forward to the to the final? Oh, massive, massively, massive! Um, just got it. I can't be there. Um, yeah, you always, you always when you're a, when you're a supporter, you, it's like winning the lottery. When you especially like we teams like St. Johnson or Livingston or any wee team get to a final, it's magnificent on the day because you know you never know when it's next going to come back around. So yeah, it's gotten. It is a crying, it is a crying shame, Richard, isn't it, for the for the two finalists not used to to getting to to cup finals. The Rangers and Celtics of this world, um, it, it's almost habitual, um, but but it's a real shame that that's going to be played to an empty stadium. Yeah, it is. I think um, because you know, as a player on the pitch, you want to to win a, a cup with your fans there watching. Um, you know, the cup finals they'll bring that intensity, that kind of excitement. Um, and it's it's you know it's difficult um, not having fans in. It's difficult for the fans, but you know they'll still want their team to go and lift the cup. But you know the players need to make sure that they realise what an occasion it is as well. Because you know you look through. So I've in my career I've played nearly six hundred games. I've played in one final. You know, so you, mm. they don't come around that often, um, and they're difficult to get to unless you're playing at the, at the top teams. So it's it's very difficult um, to get there. So hopefully the players realise that the. the, the 
the you know the size of the occasion and you know bring the same performance they did when they played Livingston uh, a couple of weeks ago because St Johnson more than deserved to win that game and I'm, I'm, I for one will be hoping they do the same. Do you think it's going to be a top six season, Ryan? Because obviously St Johnson fans became uh, pretty used to that under Tommy Wright. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a hard one. I mean, Livingston are going strong. Uh, St Mum are doing obviously the loss last night, but. They seem to be doing not too bad. Um, I did say a couple of weeks ago on the show that I don't think we will. I think we might just miss out. But, you know, in football it might change. I would love to. Top six would be would be brilliant considering the shaky start we had at the start of the season. But uh, as long as we're in the SPL, I'm, I'm more than happy. Would you take the League Cup rather than top six? Yes, 100%. 100% because... As I said, uh, cup finals don't come for wee clubs like St Johnson don't come very often. They might come one every decade, maybe one every whatever. I mean, 114 year, 15 year history. I mean, what got the Scottish Cup in 2014? So, yeah, yeah, you got, you've got a, yeah, definitely the cup. I'll find out what you're thinking about the weekend game in a sec. Here's Neil Lennon uh, talking about St Johnston. Uh, that game, of course, on Sunday. We've had a great cup run. We're outstanding in the semi-final. You know, outstanding, and. Um, you know, they're a difficult team to beat, you know, the drew at Celtic Park and we left it late up there early on the season, so Kells really sort of carried on the tradition of Tommy um, and to get the best out of their players, so I expect nothing else at the weekend. What are you thinking, Ryan? Um, I think, i tell you what, if, if we if we score first and tighten up at the back, I think uh, Celtic will be very... Yeah, they're playing well, but if we do what we've done against Rangers on it, yeah, we lost one now, but if we get in front first, and then tying up at the back, I think we could be on for a maybe maybe I'll maybe I draw maybe I'll win if we're lucky. Um, but I'll, 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 the way Celtic are coming back now, I'll, I'll definitely take a draw. But a win would be excellent. It's always a bonus a bonus against the old forum. Ryan, good to have you on the show, and wish you all the best. Thank you. Take care of yourself, on, that's Ryan, the St Johnston fan, looking ahead to the cup final, of course, and more immediately looking ahead to Perth on Sunday. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff between St Johnston and Celtic. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses, and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pumps, servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Yeah, another hour of football chat to come. Uh, the football conversation uh, really flies an hour in already for a Thursday. And we're back again tomorrow between five and seven. And of course, uh, the new Saturday show is uh, very much off and running two till six on a Saturday afternoon. Your calls and of course, all the updates from all the big games across Scotland last night. Big win for Motherwell at Rugby Park by a goal to nil Alan Campbell with the uh, only goal of that game and a big win for Celtic as well of course 4-0 it was against St Mirren in Paisley and of course uh, we're just 48 hours away uh, from the next round of games in the Premiership Uh, some big games coming up on Saturday five of them it's 
Aberdeen against St Mirren at Pataudry. Dundee United play Livingston at Tannadice. Uh, the Lanarkshire Derby is Motherwell against Hamilton at Fir Park. Uh, Graham Alexander's team uh, looking to keep up this uh, impressive recent run of points accumulation. They are slowly but surely uh, dragging themselves away from the bottom of the table. It's Rangers against Kilmarnock. Rangers looking to bounce back from their disappointment at Hamilton last Sunday and uh, Kilmarnock uh, looking to get anything out of that game. Anything would be progress for them. It will be Tommy Wright's second game in charge for them. In Dingwall, Ross County against Tibbs. John Hughes, of course, uh, won at Easter Road uh, recently but it's been very much ups and downs for the Dingwall team in the last few weeks and they are very much embroiled in the battle at the bottom of the Premiership and on Sunday the uh, lunchtime kickoff, 12 noon start for St Johnston against Celtic Neil Lennon's team of course having scored four in Paisley last night and uh, having reduced the gap at the top of the Premiership to 18 points. They play St Johnston in Perth. Right, talking of the bottom of the Premiership, it is Hamilton uh, who are propping things up as things stand. 20 points, uh, three behind Ross County, four behind Kilmarnock. And of course, Motherwell have moved eight off the bottom uh, as of their win at uh, Rugby Park last night. Let's talk to the Hamilton manager, Brian Rice. Hi, Brian. Hi, Rob. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm a bit frustrated that the yeah. game was off last night, but... There's a lot of things we can control, Rob. We just can't control the weather. No. Uh, I mean, quite a few games have been off off at uh, off at Livingston this season, so I mean, maybe it wasn't the, the surprise of the week to find out that that one wasn't going to go ahead. No. I, I was brought up near that area. Uh, I know the, the weather they get there, and the stadium lies down in a bowl, and it gets badly affected when you get some severe weather. And to be fair to David Martindale, you know, Livingston tried everything they could to get the game on. He was sending me videos and photographs all morning, but, you know, it was just too heavy, the snowfall. Simon Donnelly had a theory about the pellets at Livingston. Tell us that one. I just thought after the Aberdeen game getting called off, I thought the, the actual rubber pellets that are within the pitch were the problem with the, the temperature because then I think the Celtic game was on when there was a wee bit of snow. So that might have been the problem, you know. The, obviously, the amount of snow on top of that doesn't help, but, you know, when they start to freeze, then that's a problem for the so-called all-weather pitches. I think it was the eight inches of snow that might have had something to do with that as well, Brian, eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think the the, Celtic, uh, the Aberdeen game was off the second time with the flooding. I think that, you know, something had froze and the water yeah. couldn't get away. But, you know, the amount of snow it fell yesterday, there was like between eight and ten inches of snow. And it's OK to try to get it off the pitch, but yeah, I think the problem as well was, where do you put it? You know, around the side of the pitch, it was very, very difficult. But Livingston tried everything they could in their power to get the game on. How's training been this week, Brian, on the on the back of the result uh, against Rangers last Sunday? Yeah, training's been lively. Uh, obviously, we had a, a quiet day on Monday. Uh, after the game on Sunday, it took a lot out of the lads and just prepared them well on Tuesday. And unfortunately, like I say, the game was off, but... You know, we got back in this morning and we were at it this morning because the biggest game of the season is always the next game, and that's Saturday. Yeah, I loved it when you were. I heard your uh, when you were talking ahead of the 
the game at Livingston, which actually didn't happen. But you were talking about getting the overalls back on, getting the working togs back on, and and not dwelling uh, on what was a fantastic uh, performance from Hamilton. Yeah, I think that's very very important. You know, I think especially a club like uh, mine at Hamilton. You know, first and foremost, the foundations have got to be hard work, uh, and I, I'm always on them about that. It doesn't matter about what level you play at. Uh, what quality you've got, you know, the hard work comes first. And Dick Campbell used to always say when I played for him at Dunfermline that, you know, we need to get the overalls back on. And it's always stuck with me, you know, because, yeah. you know, if, even if you're doing odd jobs around about the house, when you put the overalls on, you know, it's time to work. And uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was very, very important that we go back to work right away because we, a lot of the, the lads got pats in the back and they got a bit of exposure for the performance on Sunday. And it's easy to get carried away, but. You know, I'm, I'm a great one in believing that as soon as the whistle's gone, my mind's on the next game. Uh, and it's my it was my job to get them ready. And just reminding them, you know, let's get the working gear back on. Back to work. Richard, it wasn't just a, an impressive, uh, a precious point for Hamilton, but but it was a top performance as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I watched the game and, and you know, I think uh, Brian and his team can be a bit disappointed not to take all three yeah. points. And on, Stephen Gennard said that yeah, as well, didn't he? On it? the basis of the play and, and the chances created, um, you know, I, I heard Ross Callahan's interview after the game and he said he felt he should have scored with that kind of left foot volley chance. Um, and then he does, you know, they get the goal right at the end, which... Which they thoroughly deserved, and even even the goal that Rangers score is you know there's a lot of luck involved in that. The goalie gets a slight touch, and then it hits Brian and goes in the net. So, yeah, all, all round, I would imagine Brian that for you it was the most pleasing aspect was the level of performance because that level of performance against the best team in the league, yeah, that wins you most other games. Well, you're right, Richard. You know, to have that amount of chances against the old firm, you know, it was very very pleasing, but. You know, it's the same story. You're playing against the old firm and you're doing okay, and you just switch off for one second, and they've got that quality. Steve Davis's pass is fantastic. You know, he puts Barisic in, and it's a dangerous ball in. And just, you know, sometimes when the lock's going against you, we things don't fall for you. And it came off Brian and it went in. But the pleasing thing was for me that we kept believing and we kept going. And Ross Callaghan had come over to the sideline uh, during a breaking play, and he was he was a bit down. I could see it in his face. And, I was just having a laugh with him. I said, look, just keep getting in the box. Keep getting in. You know, that's your strength. I says, and if you don't get a smile on your face, I'm going to put a boozle in on my coach. <laughs> and he just started laughing. And it, you know, so I was absolutely delighted for him because he had two or three chances in the game. But we had to be brave, Richard. We had to be brave. And I said to him, I says, look, when I normally watch Rangers playing, it's, it's a front five. There are two fullbacks or wingers and the three, the three forward players are all inside playing. But at half time I reminded them, I said, look lads, Rangers are on our back four today because we've got them penned in, they can't get out, so keep it going. But you don't get anything for 45 minutes work, it's got to be 90 minutes or 95 or 100 minutes if that's what it takes. And the pleasing aspect, like I said, was that we kept believing and we kept going forward. We didn't sit in at any stage. I never set my teams up to sit in. I never, I've ever set my teams to sit, up, to sit in because... Players like to express ourselves. We all want to score goals. And that's why I go with two strikers. And my philosophy is, we want to score goals. It's easier to score with two than it is with one. And, and that's just the way I am. I love that, Brian. By the way, expressing yourself, it was the way you, you played. You know, the, the type of player that you were. Uh, to allow people to go and express themselves. The good thing for your... Your game at the weekend is I was looking at the stats there You had a fantastic win against Motherwell Last time out 3-0 So that must take some confidence into the, the game at the weekend 
Yeah, I think the last four games against uh, Motherwell in the Derby, we've won three and drawn one. Um, uh, the key to the last one was getting the early goal. We got we got an early goal and it allowed us, you know, to soak up a wee bit of pressure, which Motherwell put us under. Like I said, you know, last time, I don't set up to sit in, yep. but sometimes with the quality of the opposition I'm playing against and the players that they've got, they've got better players than me. You know, and that's no disrespect to my players. I get forced back. So to get an early goal is an added bonus to us. But, you know, we seem to have uh, a bit of luck against Motherwell. And we've come out and top, let's say, three of the last four games. So we're really looking forward to it. Disappointing last night was off, but really, really looking forward to Saturday. Bruce Anderson gives you something different, doesn't he, Brian? I mean, he looks like he could be a good bit of business between now and the end of the season on loan from Aberdeen, where he, he really wasn't seeing much uh, match action at all, but he was really lively. His movement was great, wasn't it, against Rangers? I've, I've, I've watched Bruce for a, a lot of years, coming right through the youth ranks and that, and he, he always got goals. It doesn't matter where he went. He'd come off the bench for Aberdeen, he'd get the occasional goal, and he's just one of the lads that catches your eye, and he caught my eye. And I tried to get him a couple of times before, and we weren't able to do it, but Derek's been very helpful in helping us get him in this time, and I just feel it helps him playing with two. You know, I said that when I spoke to the lad. I says, look, you're going to come down here. I play with two strikers. I says, I've got two or three big lads. I need something a wee bit different around about them. I says, and you could feed off them. And I think he's enjoying it. And I think one of the key things is the start he's made. I didn't give him time to think about it. I says, you're going right in. You're going right in the next day against Ross County. And then, doesn't matter what happens, you're playing against Rangers. You're playing. And I think, you know, don't give him time to think about it. And the adrenaline rushes there, so... His movement's been good and he's working really hard and he's fitted in really well. How was that game? How is it uh, squaring up to, to John Hughes in a game like that, Brian, when you two have been in the past living in and out of each other's pockets? <laughs> it was very, very strange. But uh, whether we chat before the game and then during the game, we didn't we didn't say anything to each other and we just got on with it because I kept trying to reiterate and keep telling myself, this isn't about me and John here, this is about the two teams fighting for survival and you know, fair play to John's team. They came out and got the win, and I phoned him the next night with a good chat about things. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, very, very strange after all the years we had together. I, mean, I know that you're you're moving on now, and rightly so. And it's it's all about the next game, and it's getting back to business, back to work, and getting the overalls on, and all the rest of it. But you must take a lot of belief uh, from what you were able to do last Sunday. That there there are obvious pluses to be taken uh, from that game that you can apply into the upcoming games as well. Yeah, I think the first and foremost is the amount of chances we created and good chances we created. And let's say, you know, at times against Rangers, especially in the first half, we were 1v1 at the back, 2v2 at the back, and 3v3 at the back. And I said that to the lads. I said, if we don't go and press, then we'll just get forced back and we'll just be defending all game. So you need to buy into what I want to do here. I said, I would love a manager to say that to me. Come on, let's go. I said, so I'm giving you the freedom. We're going to go and do it. Just go and enjoy it. Don't have any regrets. And I think we can use some of that going forward. Every game is different. Rangers get the ball and they try to play out, which is allow you to do the high press. Other teams get the ball and they push up the pitch and they kick it long and it takes out your press. So, you know, it's different tactics for different games. But, you know, when you do well against the good teams, it's bound to give you a wee bit of confidence. You know, and I'm, I'm hoping we just take a wee bit of that into Saturday. Brian, always great to have you on the show and uh, wish you all the best uh, for the remainder of the season. Cheers, thanks very much. Anytime.
Good man, Brian Rice, the Hamilton manager. Looking forward uh, to the Lanarkshire Derby at the weekend at Fir Park. What a player, as you alluded to in your question, Simon. What, well, player, giving, what player he was. Giving away my age because I, I played <laughs> against Brian many moons ago. But yeah. uh, You were obviously a child prodigy at the yeah, time. Yeah, just 17, 18 or something like that. But it's really refreshing to listen to him talk there about his team. Yeah, I love that about how allowing players to go out and express themselves and albeit in games you will get pinned back they, they don't have the quality of a Rangers or a Celtic or a, a, a Hibernian but I love that approach I think that's the way football should be played uh, allowing your team to go and express themselves and they get a fantastic result at the, the weekend on the back of it You can imagine how that works I mean just listening to him here it's pretty inspiring, Richard, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he, he loves the game. He knows the game very well. Um, and, and his enthusiasm to play and, and allow his players to play obviously breeds onto the pitch. Um, they just haven't been able to pick up as many results, obviously, as he would have liked. Um, and I think the the way they played, the kind of up and at you right in their face, that definitely suits them. You know, they've got Ross Callahan in midfield. has got a lot of energy. Um, Bruce Anderson, as you spoke about, done really well when he came on. Um, and it's just whether they can reach that same level of performance in different games in games where teams go long and teams maybe don't you know come through the middle as opposed to going wide or whatever it is it's just whether he can maintain the level of performance even though he's going to have to change the tactics for different games because you know in all fairness I think Motherwell like to play out from the back as well so I would imagine he's going to try and adopt that that um, that high press but then when you are man for man at the back what happens if other goalies get a long kick and he can just kick it right over your back line and then it's a race so it's, it's it'll be interesting to see how they go moving forward but um, it's good as well that he d- you know, he's got he's got a relatively young squad, so he, he'll be mindful of not allowing them to to think that that's you know that's them on the way to the road to recovery. Um, and no, yet, yes, no chance. No, exactly. So, you know, they they can take oh, take all the plaudits to get for the Rangers game because they were excellent. Um, but they need to then they need to bring that into the next game against Motherwell, and then you can start to you know start to think right, we're on the road to recovery here because you know one game Rangers on the television, it's easy it's easier to get up for that game than it is to get up for the you know some of the other games so can they bring that level of performance into the Motherwell game and, and get themselves you know closer to Ross County or off the foot of the table Last night St Mirren nil Celtic 4 it was a fantastic uh, team showing uh, from the champions of last season but also some really top individual performances as well Rodgick was outstanding the whole way through the game I thought he was magnificent but second half Brown the McGregors your Edwards Christie coming on I, I was delighted with the whole team tonight it's a brilliant win it's been a while hasn't it since Neil Lennon's been rhyming off the names practically going through the whole team in terms of uh, guys who made a really positive contribution Simon yeah just a difficult season it's been a, a while we sat down last week and watched the the, the Kilmarnock game and, and they, they rattle in the four goals and it's it's been a long time since watching Celtic you know perform at that level and, and get score lines. They they follow up with another good result of the weekend and then last night, it's yeah it's it's nice and listen the guys we touched on at the start of the, of the show uh, even going back to last week you're scratching your head because if you look at that game and take it as a, a game on its own you would never ever say that that team performing at that level would be so far behind but they are and it's been the, the, the kind of the start to the season uh, going through Christmas the form wasn't there for whatever reason I think everybody will look back and even Rangers fans players will be confused how the, the seasons went uh, but yeah they go out and perform well in the last three games and a little bit of confidence back maybe you know uh, a spring in the step certainly Rogic last night it looked as if he was back to top form 
One of the stars as well, another of the stars was Odson Edouard. It's uh, eight goals in eight games for him now, and it's 18 for the season. He missed a couple of good chances tonight, but I thought his touch tonight and his, his movement was sublime on a really difficult... Listen, he's a class player, you know, and um, he's really on top form now, which is huge benefit to us and, and the team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with Odson. He's a great lad and he's playing so well. Is it a valid question, Richard, to ask where was Odson Edouard when the going got tough? Um, I think it is. You know, he, he's their top, you know, he's he's probably their top player. He's, I think he's, on his game, he's probably the top player in the league. Um, top striker in the league, sorry. And and I think, you know, it would have been disappointing for Celtic fans because, you know, when, you, when the going is tough, that's when you look to your best players, that's when you look to your big guys to to step up and, and really drag you through the, the kind of the tough times you know it wasn't to be um, but it does look like he's now coming back onto a game and I think when he first came in you know I always kind of like it you try and like him to other players and I, I thought to myself that he was you know more impressive than even Dembele and you know we've seen how he's how well he's done and moved on but for Edward, it's not quite he's not quite reached that level that I think he is capable of because I think his touch and his, his finishing and his awareness is of a very, very high level. But this season, you know, he, he hasn't had the service either that, that he would have had previously, but he, he doesn't he hadn't looked himself up until the last couple of weeks. But you can see the difference, you know, Rogic coming in and being confident, Edward being confident. I think Turnbull's made a massive difference. That then breeds through the rest of the team. And then Neil Lennon's now at a place where he's He's talking about every one of his players playing well because those key players are starting to, to bring their game and they can pull the rest of the team through. And those are the sort of numbers we expect from him. Eight and eight, 18 for the season, that's a bit more like it. Well, that's we're discussing, you know, if parts of the season he's disappeared, but 18 goals, he's returned again, which is not bad at all for a striker. 18 goals, uh, a great run he's on just now. I think just the standards that he'd set, I think... The standards that Celtic had set before this season, I think it's came back to bite them a wee bit this season, particularly Edward. You know, quieter games, the focus is on him more than other players maybe because he's been so dominant and scored so many goals before. But again, when you look at it, 18 goals on paper is not bad for your, for your striker. You're with the Football Show, Glasgow's own Go Radio. The Go Radio Football Show. Good to hear from Brian Rice before the break. The Hamilton manager preaching positivity. And uh, certainly his team came up with the goods, didn't they, at the weekend, last weekend. But we're fast approaching <laughs> another weekend of uh, Premiership football to come. Um, and of course, uh, we were just talking about uh, getting up for uh, a Rangers game, Richard. Uh, but there's probably no better game now for Hamilton. Of course, last night's was called off at Livingston. So next for them is, is the Derby. Yeah, and especially because the the record they've got in the Derby. Um, what was it Brian said? The one, the one three, three, three in a draw, four. I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's obviously not lost the last game. They won three nil. Um, he expressed the importance of scoring that early goal. But it's you know I think Motherwell are a different team now to the, the team that he faced yeah. previously. But you know the players will have the confidence that they can go there and get a result. And it's it's one of those for Motherwell. If you look at it, that if they win this game, that's them pretty much out of the relegation battle for me I think well certainly automatic relegation because they'll be they'll go 11 points ahead of Hamilton but if Hamilton win it just draws Motherwell in it keeps them in it keeps them in the fight and um, like I said before Hamilton are, are almost masters of, of escaping the impossible aren't they? they they seem to be here every season and every season they, you know thus far they've um, they've escaped so 
it almost suits Hamilton to be, to bring them down and make it make it a fight. Um, and you don't know whether how how the sorry how the Motherwell players would react to that. So it's a big game, a big game, and uh, you know probably for the excitement level, I hope Hamilton win and then kind of pull Motherwell in, and then that probably means there's probably a, a bottom four almost that are fighting out for those two places. It could be a good one actually because uh, Motherwell have hit some good form as well. Nine points from their last four league games. That's big progress for them. It's taken them eight points off the bottom. Uh, and last night, Simon, uh, Graham Alexander gave a new meaning to hands-on management because the the, the the winning goal... The quick ball, thinking. Yeah, exactly. The ball the ball went out. For, I don't think you saw it. But, no, but, you were telling but, me But the ball it. went out for a throw and he grabbed it. He gave it to Jake Carroll. He immediately pointed where he wanted it to go and he wanted it to happen quickly, obviously, because uh, the Killy right back Aaron McGowan was out of position the defence had shuttled across there was a gap on the other side so Tony Watt worked it across and, and Alan Campbell scored so I don't know whether in the stats uh, Graham Alexander will Takes get me down, be down for an assist for that one <laughs> well the thing is sometimes as a coach on the side you're sitting there or you're standing there and you're frustrated that things aren't happening quicker you can't get over that line and, and actually affect it as such but he has done last night you know he's, he's He's got the ball back to his, his player quickly, forced him to react quickly, and in turn that's got the goal, the, the all-important goal. But looking at the bottom the bottom of the table, it's going to be really interesting. Now look at the, the bottom three teams. We've got Brian Rice, who we just spoke to, Big Yogi and Tommy Wright, three experienced campaigners in this division. So it's going to be really interesting over the next 10 games or so to see how that materialises. Simon Donnelly on the Go Radio Football Show. Richard Foster as well. Me, Rob McLean, for a Thursday night at 6.29. Let's talk to Liam in Glasgow. Hi, Liam. Hello. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yourself? Yeah, good. You're you're a Celtic fan, so what did you make of last night? I mean, I think last night's performance is what we've all been waiting for. I think this is since the whole start of the season... The form going downhill. I think this is what we needed. Is it? Is there something frustrating about it, in a strange way that that it's happening now, when the horse is bolted? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's something strange. I mean, when you you got likes, uh, how in the last three games, how we played. You know what I mean? That's what we've been expecting all season. So I don't know. I don't know where it's came from. I don't know what's happened in the background. What's been said that. They've finally been able to pick it up and go, right, let's go for this now. Well, Neil Lennon's bemused about um, where the where that performance came from and, and how the other performances have been uh, missing a vital ingredient. Here's what he said on the on the back of, of last night. Great win. He's probably the best player here for a long time. I thought we could have won the game by more. Wasn't particularly pleased with our first half. I thought we gave the ball away a lot under no pressure. Had a few words with him at half time and second half. I thought we were magnificent, magnificent. Everything about the team was was brilliant. Just really enjoyed watching them play. Do you have a theory, Liam, on what's been missing? I mean, I've I've said since start. I was like, I said there's clear um, fallout in that club. I mean, in my opinion, like when you bring a manager, and you should be able to pick your own staff. And I think a big part of this comes from. Lennon not even being able to pick his own background staff. Um, I do think that it's a big a big play in it. But I don't... I, I've not really got the just out of some of Lennon's decisions. I mean, you've got Shane Duffy, who's constantly made mistakes, but then constantly gets played. Until now, Stephen Welsh is getting played. And it's a whole different scenario. 
it's a, it's a whole different change in the lineup. How big a part Richard Foster has the the backroom staff played in this, and maybe it wasn't the backroom staff deal Lennon wanted right from the outset. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know the the, the inside workings of the club, but. You know, if you want your team to perform well, you need to be together as a as a as a management team. You need to be fluid. You need to be open. You need to to back each other up. You need to challenge each other. Now, if you if you don't have the confidence, you know, if if, if I'm working with someone that I've got full confidence in, and he gives me his opinion, then then I will take it on board and seriously consider it. And and you maybe see things differently or make changes based on that opinion. But if you've got someone there who you didn't bring in and you don't know that well and you don't have that confidence in, you might. Even if, if it transpires that his opinion or his tactics for a certain game, it transpires that they're the, they were the right tactics. At the time, you might not have taken it on board as such because you don't have the same confidence in him as you would in someone that you bring in yourself. Now, I think it's, you know, you, you talk about teams, kind of uh, the harmony a, a team has on the pitch. Well, a management team has this, you know, needs the same harmony. And if you don't have that, then that can then filter down to the players because you don't. And now I'm not for a second saying that this is happening, but you don't know is is it, is it one message that's coming from the, the management team? Is it just Neil Lennon's message? Is it is Neil Lennon saying one thing or other play, other coaches maybe saying something different? I don't. Of course, I have no idea if that's happening. But that those are the kind of things that can happen. Whereas if you've got a management team who work together, who know each other, that have each other's back uh, towards the players, there's a unified front. This is what we're doing. This is the tactic. Then in the office, they can discuss it, and that's when you can say, Neil, I think you maybe got this wrong. I think you should do it this way. That's fine. But towards the players as a unified front. Now I don't know if if that has been the case at Celtic, um, but I certainly feel that it would have been easier to have that if Neil Lennon was allowed to pick the the the, the, the players or the people in his team. Sorry. It's obviously Simon been disjointed on the pitch at times. Do you think it's been disjointed off the pitch as well in the technical area? Honestly, couldn't. Honestly, couldn't answer Liam's. And I, I can understand his confusion and and trying to find answers for, for for the season that Celtic have put in up until now. Again, it's just it's more head scratching after watching the last few performances because these are the same players that have played throughout the season, with the exceptions of maybe in Cham and Julian's out injured. Uh, it's the same. It's the same squad, and. It is baffling to watch them perform like last night so well. Now people have said today, oh, well, the pressure's off, but that might be the case in terms of the title race, but there's always pressure playing for Celtic no matter what. You could be playing in the park for Celtic and there's pressure. So I don't really buy into that a wee bit, but the form has been back. I think if he's touching on the management team, for me at the beginning I was surprised that Lenny didn't get the opportunity to bring his own guy in. Uh, whether that's had bearings on this season who knows but definitely for that period from going out of Europe in the Champions League till the turn of the year and the last three games maybe there was a little spell at Christmas where they, they strung a few results the form has just not been there for what for whatever reason Liam where does it go from here do you think is Neil Lennon in charge for the rest of the season I mean I've, I've said this before I don't think that he'll get sacked this, this season I'm, I hope that I'm learning, but I hope he continues to next season. But I don't think he will um, leave this season. Um, but I think it goes a lot deeper than just Lennon. I mean, if you look at transfer wise, he's, it goes to Nicky Hammond as well. For every one good signing we have, there's two, three bad signings. We've got players that we bring in that have got the potential and the ability to get left in the dark, or we loan them out and then they 
fair enough, they perform in these other leagues. But we are just, I don't think there's, like, I mean, when Rogers was here, when Rogers were here, some of the things we brought in were magnificent. You could, like a Scott Sinclair, you know? Yeah. You had Stuart Armstrong, you had Gary McKay Stephen players that were picking up performances. We were bringing in the likes of Shane Duffy for a two million loan, but we couldn't pay three million for John McGinn, who's one of probably a, a magnificent midfielder. Yeah, and you could. I have, just don't get it. Yeah, and you could have signed. Uh, you could have kept Craig Gordon, or you could have signed David Marshall, and you'd have got yourself a good keeper for this season as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't. I think a lot of the time Celtic bypass um, Scottish league or Scottish players. I mean, if you look at that time. The thirteen boys or how many it was had to isolate and we had to use a lot of the young boys. Tony Ralston, in my opinion, is so un- Sorry, we just lost you for a for a split second there, Liam. Um but I mean what a question I asked Stephen Craigan on, on Tuesday's on Tuesday's show was uh how many chances does a head of recruitment get? You know, a a, ma- a manager <clears throat> pretty much gets gets one crack at it. When yeah. it go when he gets it wrong, he's out. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, an important role at the club uh, to go and identify talent for the, the management team or the manager to, to select from. Uh, I think it's crucial. Celtic have been really good over the last few years at, at producing players. But this season, for me, I don't think the guys that have come in have really improved what was there already. And, and that's evident, you know, in the cup final where the two strikers that were brought in do not feature. Uh, I, you know, they both find themselves on the bench. The guys that have, I think, added a spark this this season has been certainly Turnbull, who for me is, I think, going to be a big player for Celtic. And the wee midfielder, Sorrow, I think at that time, the team was looking for a bit of freshness. It was looking to be revitalised. These two players came in and did that. But a lot of the, the other players that have been brought in this season, I do not think, to a man, I don't think any one of them has enhanced the team from last year. Liam, are you still there? Yep. What? So, do you 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 think Neil Lennon should stay in place for the rest of the season? Is that right? Well, no. I would I would love somebody else to come in, evaluate the, the squad, and to look forward to next season. Yeah. But I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know uh, why. Well, obviously Desmond's not wanting to uh, sack him. He's not. Maybe he's not wanting to pay the money. To Len, Len's clearly stated that he won't he won't walk if they want him gone. They will have to sack him, uh, which I think is the words that Len's used this season in multiple interviews and press conferences. It's childish. I think it's immature. Some of the things he said, he's constantly threw his players under the bus. Um, I just think, yeah, maybe one time ago Len was class for manager for Celtic, but I think we've got to go into a new era, uh, something different, something new. Um, and as I said it does go a lot deeper So does he take no part even if he's still the manager at the moment and, and if he remains there for the rest of the season does he play no part in the planning process because he ain't going to be the manager next season how does that all work? I don't think so I mean you've got the likes of Lowell as well when he steps down I don't think he'll have much say for the rest of the season I mean you saw in the transfer window one signing it was a loan signing I think that's the right decision um, we shouldn't be bringing in permanent signings um, if Lennon won't be here um, I think that that should be waited for a new manager but um, it all comes down to the conversations that's been held 
um, with Flynn and, and Desmond and uh, the new CEO obviously that's coming in if there has been one yet but I, I don't know I don't understand um, how he's lasted this long I mean you've got the likes of Ronnie Dyler who won the league and still walk you've got Mowbray who was sacked uh, for less and I just don't understand what's happened this season with him yeah, confused. Uh, lots of Celtic fans are at the moment, um, including Liam, uh, about what's been happening and what's going to happen. What is the future for Celtic, both in the short and the long term? Lots. So let's talk to Rob in Clyde Bank. Uh, Rob, how are you doing? How are you doing, Rob? I'm fine. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, hi, Rob. Good, thanks. All well here, thanks. What would you like to say? What would you like to ask, Rob? Basically, what it is, is... Does anybody know who these compliance officers are? <laughs> because I want to ask Simon this. Do you think it's one-sided? Because looking from the outside in, if you look at the things that's been happening, uh, players getting off with players not getting off, and things like that, things that should have been brought up, hasn't been brought up, I just feel it's a wee bit one-sided. What do you think of that, Simon? Uh, first and foremost, I, d- I do not know who the compliance officer is are they not in change at the moment I don't think there is one at the moment is there Uh, I don't I don't think it's one side what what side are you insinuating I I just think that well if you look at the Rangers side now I've heard a few points I've been on the show quite a few times and I've heard a few points that it's one sided that there's green glasses on for one another word now I just want to think what you feel about that i.e. why did uh, when Arebo get tackled in the Rangers game the other week there uh, and they get stamped on why was that not brought up it seems to be things that's happening that's not been pointed that if it's Rangers or Celtic oh they're right on the ball boom right get them up bring them up I don't think it's one sided I think I think you'll see one side someone from Celtic will see another side an Aberdeen fan will see another side we discussed it at the top of the show I think there's so much inconsistency in these decisions whether it's simulation for diving for a penalty whether it's Roof's tackle that we discussed at the start which we've kind of agreed in the studio that was reckless but accidental he didn't go in to hurt hurt the player you know Uh, we touched 100%. on the, 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 the striker last night with Welsh. I think there's just too much inconsistency with this stuff. And it will, we spoke about it with Richard earlier on, it will get to the point where do we have to review every single tackle that comes in? You know, I think at some time you need to kind of put the trust in the officials on the day. And unless it's something really bad where somebody's tried to break somebody's jaw off the ball and the referee hasn't spotted it, then... I don't yeah. see the constant digging up of review after review. I don't understand where you're coming from, but it just, it, me, correct me if I'm wrong, it just seems a wee bit one-sided. I don't know if, <laughs> this may be sound bad here, but as if they're trying to stop Rangers getting ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure about one-sided, but well, it's, I, not, I, work, I, it's I think, not working just now. <laughs> but, but I don't think there's much doubt that, that Rangers and Celtic feature much more regularly in these conversations they meet they feature much more regularly in these notices of complaint 
because their their matches are covered with more cameras. There's more publicity for them. There's more talking about them. There, you know, in the media, there's more analysis about them. When Richard Foster's on sports scene, uh, you know, is that just the way of it? And when it, so when something happens with Motherwell or Hamilton or St Johnston, it just doesn't get the same buzz going, Richard. Um, well, it certainly doesn't garner the same attention. Nowhere near. Um, I think you know, predominantly the games that we see. I know all the teams are are streaming their games, but the games that we see on Sky, for instance, or, or Premier Sports, well, it tend to be the Celtic and Rangers games. They are the most high-profile teams, the most high-profile players. There's more discussion involved online. There's more discussion involved when it's Rangers and Celtic players, and I think it just it does become a little bit. You know, kind of tit for tat. You know, Celtic fans like Simon said, I'll, I'll see it one way. Rangers fans will see it another way. Um, I don't think it's one-sided. Um, I think recently it seems that way because obviously Morelos and Roof have both been cited, and a Yeti hasn't been. Um, I think there's been other instances this season as well where certain players have, have, have maybe put in high tackles, but it's almost it seems to be in a, a a recent thing. That I think there's there's been tackles this season, challenges this season that could have probably went to the the compliance officer and and been cited for bans. But it's al- almost only recently that they've started to do that with kind of more efficiency. So I d- I don't think it's one sided, but I can see how it looks like that at the moment. Rob, thanks for your call, and it's certainly a subject that keeps cropping up. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. There's an FA Cup game ongoing in England. Wolves nil, Southampton one. Latest scoreline. No great surprise to know that Danny Ings has got the opening goal of that cup tie. As Chris said, we are very much looking towards uh, the weekend with uh, some massive matches uh, coming up. It's Aberdeen against St Mirren. One win and eight for Derek McInnes and his side against the St Mirren side, beaten four nil by Celtic uh, last night, but still him with a strong chance of a top six finish. Dundee. United against Livingston uh, Davy Martindale's team looking to bounce back from their uh, first defeat in 15 games it's the Lanarkshire Derby we've been speaking plenty about it with Brian Rice uh, on the phone just after the news at 6 uh, with lots of positive thoughts off the back of that draw with Rangers but I guess the Motherwell team who've moved themselves 8 points off the bottom uh, Rangers themselves are at home to Kilmarnock Tommy Wright's second game in charge of the Rugby Park side uh, can he get anything out of that game Ross County against Hibs uh, John Hughes against his old team of course County won at Easter Road just a few weeks ago and the Sunday match is St Johnston against Celtic Celtic have won four of their last five uh, Albion Ayeti featured last night of course uh, having um, looked as if he was going to be banned then it all changed around in uh, typical fashion alluding back to our conversation uh, before the break but uh, Albion Ayeti very much back in the scheme of things for Celtic it took him uh, quite a long time though didn't it to get going what Took me time was um, yeah, so a little bit of fitness, bit of injuries, which um, this was where I lost some time. But uh, I'm back, I'm full fit now. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. We are winning, so everything is going well at the moment. Former Celtic striker Simon Donnelly, did you understand why it took a Yeti so long uh, to be up to speed for Celtic? Uh, not not in regards of fitness. Uh, I think coming to a club like Celtic might take him a little time to settle in. It's 
certainly not been a, a normal season under any circumstances. Uh, he's found himself in the team the last two or three games. I thought he took his goal really well at Kilmarnock. That was one of the times I've you know been impressed with him. But for whatever reason, he's not played as much as we thought he should. He's come in for what, four or five million. It's, it's a big transfer fee. I still feel Edward and Griffiths are the, the, the front picking or the first picking for Celtic's front two. But it's up to Albion just now to take his chance. You know, he's played the last three. He uh, was brought off last night, but it's down to him now to go and show what he can do. Here he is on playing under pressure. I like that as a player. I like the pressure. I like to feel that. And uh, I think all of us, if you know, we have a wee bit pressure, we just can get stronger or yeah, perform better. And this is for a club like Celtic, um, normal. I think there are players here which have been used to it for a couple of years now and uh, they don't have a problem. And uh, all the new players who comes in, I think they, they will get used to it as well. Head scratching is a popular pastime among the Celtic fans at the moment, just wondering uh, where last night's form came from and uh, where it's been for so long. That was far more like us tonight, you know, so you're scratching your head as to thinking where, where's it been all season. But, you know, we know we've got more or less a clean bill of health at the minute and, you know, players are playing a lot better and we looked really strong. And that's that second half's the best we've played for quite a while in terms of control and penetration and a real sort of desire to score goals tonight. There's a real freedom about Celtic it seemed last night, Richard. Yeah, there was. And, you know, we spoke about it already. They were back to, to what we expect from Celtic, you know, albeit maybe not as much in the first half, but certainly the second half, you know, kind of passing the ball. There was a lot of fluidity with their movement, you know, kind of they seem to not just move for themselves they moved it in relation to each other and to where the ball was and, and obviously they created they created a number of chances and scored four goals but I think the the biggest thing that Celtic need to get back is the it's the fear that other teams have that kind of psychological edge that the Rangers and Celtic have always had that you know I, I was just chatting to Simon off earlier saying that we used to go to the Celtic Park and be happy if you come away before you know 4 nil down because they were that good that you're thinking right well that's that's been all right for us. We've done okay here, but now teams are going to Celtic Park and thinking we can get a we can get a win. And the the, the change in kind of the dynamic and and the mentality of the teams approaching a game with Celtic has it's came off the back of Celtic not performing. But I think when when they lose that edge, it's you know these last couple of games, especially last night against a decent St Mirren team, that's when that starts to creep back in them. And and you almost you're not afraid to play Celtic, but you know right if we're not on it. 100% here we could get be, we could be on the end of 5 or 6 which has been the case you know I've, I've played against Celtic so many times that that has been the case when you're just off it and you might you know you might have two or three players who are not playing at potential and you get beat 5-0 and that's what Celtic um, have been you know in previous seasons and were last season but they haven't been that this season so teams are going there and they're playing against Celtic thinking you know we can be the ones to unsettle them if we, we're on our game we, we can go and win this um, and we've not seen that and I think that's as well as Celtic haven't played well they've lost that kind of psychological edge that they have over most of the teams because teams are not showing any fear from playing against them because that 4-0 four, four scoreline last night came as a surprise, you know, whereas, as Richard says, you know, you go back not too far and these were results that were actually expected of Celtic. It did, and we said before, before the last lockdown, this was the kind of performance towards last year's title that Celtic was putting in. Uh, but you're right, I mean, I, I sat watched the game last week, I thought it would be really difficult, confidence was low on the back of the, the defeat against St Myrne. 
and they they get four against Kilmarnock last night St Mirren we look at where they are on the table we look at the run they've been on I thought this could be a tight game tonight it was you know on paper up until the last few minutes where they get the three goals but it's two good results for Celtic there uh, and sandwiched between a, a decent win at home against Motherwell so these are the results that keep going back to they just need to keep winning these games and, and taking the chances playing well playing the way that people expect Celtic to play and then that puts the fear in the teams but Richard's right at the moment there's been too many mistakes this season and everybody thinks we can have a wee bit of Celtic here so that needs to come back from Celtic's point of view one downside last night was the injury to Stephen Welsh. It's a trauma. He got caught late on the ankle, so we're hoping. I mean, his, his foot's in a part at the minute as precautionary, but um, you know we're hoping it's not too bad because um, you know the kid's done very, very well for us so far. I think we're translating his foot's in a part as it was a nice. Um, well, <laughs> either that, or they've got some new uh, system itself for for healing ankle injuries. But I would imagine he means either in ice or in a boot. Um, yeah. But you know, um, but he's, he's is, been good, hasn't he? He's, I think, he's been good of late. Yeah, and I think he's you know he's been part of the difference as well. I think when Duffy's playing, he's he's been nervous, he's making mistakes, and that makes everyone else nervous. Whereas uh, Welsh came in and looked composed and looked looked like a settled defender, and I think that breeds through the rest of the team. And, and, and he has done really well, and it's it's a it's a blow for him, but it's also a blow for Celtic. Do you expect Celtic to win again Sunday? Will they make it five out of six in Perth in the twelve kickoff, Simon? It's another difficult one. Keep saying it. Keep repeating myself. It's another difficult one at McDermott Park. Go back to times there. Celtic have had a good record there of late uh, recent seasons. I just think the wee bit of form coming back. I think they'll miss Welsh because I think he has definitely brought something to the team in the last few weeks with, with Duffy looking really nervous. But he'll need to come in by the looks of it and, and perform at the weekend. I think Celtic will shade it. And Richard, Rangers to get back to more familiar ways at home to Kelly. Yeah, um, you know, for Tommy's second game, I'd love, I'd love um, Kamarant to get a result. But Rangers at home have just been formidable this season. Um, on the back of that poor performance last week, I think they will be fired up, and um, I think they'll put in a really good, strong performance, and I think they'll win the game comfortably. Thanks to Richard Foster. Thanks to Simon Donnelly as well. Thanks to you for listening, and you'll want to be listening again uh, tomorrow night between. Five and seven. Looking ahead to the weekend with Paul Cooney, uh, Barry Ferguson, and Cy Ferry. That's it for the Thursday edition of the Go Radio Football Show. News at seven on the way. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses, and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.